How's it going? My name is Corey Callahan, and you're listening to the newest Market Side Chat. The date's Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. It's been a pretty crazy week in the markets, and this is actually prompting us here in the studio to start a new rundown segment on our show with just some market analysis at the end of the week. So we have a lot to talk about today. You know, earlier in the week, we saw stock splits from Tesla and Apple, but all in all, there's just a lot of increased volatility in these markets. And today was tech's worst performance since June. Right now, the S&P is sitting at three and a half points lower than it was yesterday, and the NASDAQ is down 5%. So Jack, what do we think? Are we going to be selling off tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, I I think this is something that's been foreshadowed for for a long time, but I guess no one really knows, you know, what when the trigger was going to be pulled on it. It was kind of this idea, you know, we have all this momentum going into stocks. You know, you have companies going up seventy percent in a month. You know, Tesla. You have Zoom. All these different, you know, stocks that are being lead drivers for the for the Nasdaq and for the S and P. And I, I guess you know, eventually, uh, to a point, the, the market just gets over overstretched. I mean, to, to me, the market isn't trading on fundamentals anymore. I think, it, you know, it's disconnected and fragmented. I think it's, you know, trading purely on technicals. And that's kind of, you know, become the new wave of fundamentals. But what I particularly see with this sell off is I think the the NASDAQ and the S&P selling off to me um, could be could be one of one of two things. It could either be a consolidation of the technicals finally lining up with the fundamentals. And in that case, I see, you know, uh, you know we had a massive sell-off today. I, I, whenever I do see massive sell-offs in the market, I generally see um, follow-through on the next days in terms of sell-offs. It, it, it's just usually the way uh, money flows. Um, but in this market, it's been it's been pretty unpredictable. Obviously, we've had you know, a few trading days this year and in March where, you know, the market drops a ton on Friday. And then, you know, in the last hour of trading, because there's so much volume left, it, you know, goes on a huge rally again and then rallies into the next week. So it could very well be something like that. Um, one of the things that I'm paying really close attention to right now is, you know, how the futures are trading, um, you know, going into the night. Uh, we were, you know, pretty bearish on the market. Um, we thought, you know, a lot of things were getting overstretched. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, we really, you know, believe in is not necessarily predicting what the market's going to do, but let the market tell us what it's going to do and then following what the market wants. And the market wants to go down right now. There's, you know, an insane amount of pressure um, from the downside. But, you know, on the flip side, something that is very fundamental um, to, you know, what could drive the prices of these ETFs tomorrow morning is, you know, it's the first Friday of the month, guys. Yeah. We got NFP yeah, numbers coming out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the street consensus is, I, I believe it's a little bit lower than it was last month. But, you know, the jobless claims that came out, they were also lower. And that could lead to, you know, better than expected high, um, higher, you know, non-farm payrolls for the month. And, you know, that could, you know, that could, you know, be interpreted as two things. It could either, you know, boost the market up a little bit more and you kind of get like a little more like oomph out of the market. And then this is viewed as maybe like a little quibble and in, in a long bull run or um, if it kind of, you know, meets it and it, it doesn't surpass everyone's expectations and everyone kind of feels, you know, a you know, um, like kind of in the in between on it and think things can consolidate i mean it, it could really you know it, 
I think at that point, if it misses or beats and has muted price action, I think I think the Nasdaq and the S and P are in for a rough ride going into the weekend. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for that. Once again, that was Jack Boyd. So um, I'm also sitting here with Kyle Copeland. Kyle, obviously heading into the next week, um, you know, Monday's off. We have Labor Day coming up. Um, how do you see it? Do you see it consolidating? Well, I, th- I think it's important to note that we are heading into a, a holiday weekend uh, for U.S. markets. So investors are really going to have to take advantage of these these uh, the trading day tomorrow and whether uh, you know you're not you're going to hold or not going into the weekend in certain yeah, positions or in whatever it may be. But like what Jack was saying, you know, yeah, I didn't when, even think that could when you, when you look at the sign. macro indicators yeah. more or less when you're when you're talking about the S and P and the Nasdaq, like the signs are here, like durable goods are rising, and unemployment claims are rising, consumer confidence is falling in some ways, income and consumption are slowing, and we're kind of waiting for for Congress to. We're, we're waiting on Mnuchin and Pelosi. Yeah, we're we're waiting on the uh, yeah. the stimulus, and it, it's a big thing. Like unemployment um, numbers are rising. And you know we're we're kind of at a halt though, and that's the thing. We're we're at the stalemate, and and it, it's only a matter of time before the rug pull came. Um, but all all signs are pointing downwards at this point, and I think short term, I think we're all bull. I mean, pretty bearish um, at the moment yeah. um, of what's to come. Um, but but the, still, what Jack was saying, we we do have that disconnect between um, like all the current events that are happening and the fundamentals. Um, within the companies and in just the U S markets as a whole. So yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to understand. Um, but that's why we're here. That's why, you know, that's why we're sitting here discussing about it and, and trying to figure it all out. So, yeah. So we have a few of us in the studio. We also had Madhawan Kulichala, um, via the phone. He's out here in Chicago. Goes by Mads. Go by, goes by Mads. A lot easier. So Mads, uh, we'd love to get you in here. Are you feeling bearish as well? Well, uh, thanks, Clyde. Yeah. And hey, hey, everybody. Hey, hey what's going so, on? So, I agree with um, Jack and Kyle. I believe uh, what 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 went what happened back in March and through through March till date is that uh, investors have, especially the retail investors, were very skeptical on the market. So, they they out, they cashed out money from the medium cap and small cap equities and tunnel them into the large cap uh, tech stocks, to be specific. So, you know, we have been seeing Microsoft, Facebook, Apple, all the big tech taking a, you know, they have been spiraling up through the, through the month and have hit new heights uh, in, the, in the past few months. Yeah. And... And today, this week, starting this week, you you can also observe that the ones which have gained a lot are also the hardest hit ones, mm-hmm. because in- investors are either um, we we can come up with several theories, but I believe that uh, investors are now gaining confidence on uh, on the rise of the economy with 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 a good progress um, of the economy. Yeah, but. But with the election season coming up and um, the, the unemployment rates, you know, which were at uh, at the historic highs, um, it, it is quite confusing to uh, a lot of people out there to understand what's going on. And I believe uh, that market is overvalued uh, because of this situation, this once in a, I guess, hundred years situation. 
and I am bearish as well. But I, I am, but I also see it in another way. Um, I think that there are specific industries which are not going to take a hit, whereas the others are going to take a hit. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the market, you know, it might even disappear and new industries may even form. Yeah. So it all depends on sustainability, how well these businesses can sustain this this economic loss. Yeah. Well, I, I think people are still trying to process and, and respond to the situations regar- like regarding to COVID and the vaccine news and, you know, we're coming up on election season and it's pretty unreal. Like when you look at, you know, the numbers that tech has put up in the last six to 12 months um, and, and how much we, you know, they have carried the market, you know, through all these troubling times. Um, but I guess my question for you, Mads, is do you think today's market, you know, took a majority of people by surprise? And if so, or if not, like what, like uh, what sectors do you see, you know, doing well in the months to come heading up into election season versus what uh, sectors, you know, um, kind of seeing that downtrend. Right. So historically, if you see the patterns from the past two elections in 2016 and 2022, uh, I believe 2011, um, from the month of September onwards, there has been a decline going up to the 4th of November. And after the 4th of November, the stock starts rising again but until then there there is there has been a bearish historically if you see the pattern of the market yeah yeah. but again i want to stress on the fact that this is unlike any other election Uh, and any other season because of the pandemic we are observing yeah Yeah. um when you speak about specifically talk about industry i certain i'm very certain that um the blue chips are doing amazing. I think that's the word. I think if, if it's a better, if there's a better word, then that would be that. Yeah. Um, and they will continue to see a rise. No, absolutely. And when it yeah. comes to when it comes to travel and you know going, going taking vacations, I I still think uh, we can. So if you are if you are someone who's a value investor and buy or you know want to buy for like longer term then you can definitely go ahead by airlines. And, um, you know, th- there are specific companies where, you, you know, in which you can buy, uh, which will help you in the longer term prospect in the travel and, you know, travel industry. Yeah. Airlines are coming back. You know, they're coming back no matter what. Yeah. The, 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 um, the government's behind it. So it, the, it only yep. has the opportunity to come back and they're yep. going to go. And, Every night. Not just that. Yeah. People will travel. People need to travel. They must yeah. travel. Yeah. And if you consider if you consider uh, human psychology, people are, I guess, they're bored sitting at home now. Yeah, we're, we're built and, to travel. And like, the mar- and the market's doing well. Typically during a recession, you know, the market starts to take a downturn and the economy follows. But the market's rebounded mm-hmm. so well that people have the money to spend on travel now. So... Yeah, we'll and also the stimulus package, which uh, which the government, which the Congress announced in March, it helped a lot yeah, in this recovery. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely and, added a lot of stimulus to, you know, people's pockets. And you know, the thing that you got to consider on the flip side is when, you know, when all these people were getting money, they didn't have the traditional outlets to spend it. And mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, it's weird, too, because I had friends, like personal friends of mine who, you know, were getting paid more on a weekly basis than they were working, like yeah. their their normal, like, yeah, no, you know, waiter job or your retail job. And, and they didn't want to go back to work. So it was like, right. it was one of those things where like, okay, they had all this extra cash on them and they were sitting at home. And I'm pretty sure Jack was going to say that a lot of people were just throwing it into Robin Hood, like. Uh, yeah, pretty like say, pretty blatantly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, people are throwing it in, in into Robin Hood. And if you think about, you know, during the time specifically, you know, no sports were being played. Um, so a lot of the people that, you know, are, you know, sports gambling is a huge industry. And that industry got put on halt. The oh, markets yeah. didn't get put on halt. And I think that because there are a lot of defining similarities between the two fields, that there's a lot of overlap and there were a lot, there, there was a lot of new entrants into the market. I mean, this, the, this sell-off, you know, that occurred today, you know, is probably precipiced by a lot of people who just entered the market and is like, Oh, shit. like all I've seen is, you know, buy, 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 and things go higher. Like in reality, this, you know, this kind of sell-off could be, the first sell-off that a lot of new entrants in the market have ever seen yeah. and aren't really, you know, cognizant of, you know, the different, you know, things that have happened, you know, in the 2000 to 2002 bubble when that occurred. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a very interesting environment to be in. And it, you know, d- depending on what Mnuchin and Pelosi agree to in terms of additional stimulus. Yeah, it, it could be. And then, and then the, like you said, Mads, before the the presidential election is like a whole nother, it's a whole nother ball game. So I mean, you have so many things going up in there. I mean, we were looking at the, um, we were looking at the betting odds at Vegas, um, you know, over the past couple of weeks to kind of get a, a pulse, um, on you know where you know sentiment is shifting in terms of election, and I saw the odds switch from. Uh, Trump being the underdog to Trump being the favorite over Biden in a, in a matter of a couple of weeks. And I think, you know, that's something that's very interesting. You have, you know, the whole thing with uh, the pandemic and the issue of mail-in voting versus absentee voting, and that could be a whole dispute. Um, there could also be a lot of, you know, lockup in between the Congress prior to the election um, you know, kind of hindering any, you know, additional stimulus to get out. So, you know, things could be at a standstill and, you know, it could, it, it could get very choppy and very interesting in the coming months. And, you know, I, I, I've said this a couple of times before, you know, to a couple of uh, my coworkers, but, you know, September is typically, you know, the worst performing month for stocks on average. And, you know, I, I wasn't expecting a sell-off on, you know, September 3rd, but it's just the way the cards fell. Yeah, and it's also a really big election because our economy is in the middle of totally restructuring itself. Right now, tech is a third of the S&P, and I can only imagine that these Robinhood traders are only accelerating this growth. Yeah, well, uh, obviously in any correction you have, you know, you have restructuring. I mean, think think about back to... Um, 2008 and the recessions that occurred in 2008. There was a massive sell-off, you know, with a lot of the banks. But look at the new industries that formed. You, you, you know, transportation, Uber, on-demand transportation. That's an entire, you know. And to go off that, it, like, it, look it, at the new. I it, mean, it, in, into to look at some parallels. Look at yeah. the new industries that are forming today. Yeah. Like, I mean, one of the biggest ones is EV. 
like Tesla, and then yeah. you have, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously all those other. Um, yeah, Mads. Yeah, so like before uh, we uh, jump onto the EV uh, sector, I just wanted to add something on the election. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but generally it's a belief that with a democratic president, the taxes are uh, will are going to be higher. Of course. Yeah. And with Republicans, it's going to be the opposite way. But, uh, you know, and then the stock market will also be in a decline under the Democratic president, unlike a Republican. But if you see in the past 20, ele- 20 election periods, so five years, you know, every 20 years, under the Democratic, it's a statistical, it, is, it is statistically proven that under the Democrats, the market has rose 63% uh, approximately. Mm-hmm. And under Republican, it only rose 37 yeah. No, so, that's, yeah, it, that, that's something that, you know, I've kind of looked at too. And I, I've kind of tried to, you know, make sense of the numbers because, you know, it, when you look at those statistics, they make sense. But then when you look right. at the, the performance, the if you look at the performance of when Trump took office, it's like, it, but, but then again, I don't even, I don't know if I even really consider Trump a Republican. I think he's more of a populist, yeah, if anything. Populist. Yeah. And it, and it, I think that in that sense, it, it, it drove a lot to the market. I mean, it, it, it I, that would be interesting to know how, how, what, what the market performance is when a populist is in office. Yeah. Well, I think, I think back. it's in the, in the political scheme of things, um, you have a lot of people running today, you know, in both parties who are, they're not, they're not your typical Republican or your typical Democrat. Yeah. And so, you know, as you know, Americans, we're trying to make sense of who exactly are we voting for and what policies exactly are they going to bring into office? Yeah. So it's like, it, it can be, can be confusing to, to make sense of it all, but you know, the numbers can only go so far. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The numbers can yeah. only go so far and the sentiment can only go so far. The polling can only go so far. Yeah. Until, you know, November, you know, 3rd, November 4th, when, you know, after election day and, you know, we're ultimately going to see how the market responds the day after. And I think it's going to be, it's either going to be a, a complete shock or it's going to be what everyone, you know, yeah. thought it was. Yeah. You know, and Trump has always championed his stock market. He's always pointed to it as a reason for why the economy is doing well. So, you know, we'll see the good, bad or the ugly, whatever happens before the election, he's going to have to stand by it. Oh, he, he, took it, for it, so. he took credit for it. And, in, you know, and in respect to Trump. I mean, like, we're not condoning any political party here. I mean, we we don't do that at market side chats, but we are just kind of, you know, outlining things as we see them and, you know, what the possibilities could be if, you know, Biden or uh, Trump wins. Um, Obviously, you know, statistically, uh, you know, in the last 20 elections, like Mad said, uh, Democrats have, you know, typically a higher performance in the stock market in comparison to Republicans. Right. Um, yeah. So, and it's not an opinion. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just a mathematical number. So we're, we're not supporting uh, anybody on it. Yeah. yeah. And, and to kind of go off that, too, I, I remember reading in the in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago that um, there was actually a lot of lobbying interest um, behind Kamala Harris and that 
you know, that it was kind of, you know, a relief in a sense or a, a favorite on uh, Wall Street side, at least from the institutional side in terms of lobbying money that Kamala was picked as uh, VP. So that, that's also something to consider as well. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's, you know, you know, heading ultimately heading into election season, um, what happens happens and, w- and we're just going to take, you know, everything with a grain of salt and, yeah. and, and play it as best as we can, um, you know. But yeah, but, but going back to the, um, you know, to the point I was making about, you know, Trump's going to do whatever he, he can to prop the market up. I mean, he is I, yeah. like the, tra- the Fed. Last week, they, they released the numbers tonight. They uh, they held off on buying um, on adding to their balance sheet in terms of buying corporate bonds um, for the last week. And, you know, they're, they're saying they're doing it strictly in relation to uh, inflation hedges as opposed to what the jobless claims are. So it's a really interesting dynamic with, you know, the Fed and the Treasury and everything that's going on with that. But, you know, this week, um, after not adding anything to their balance sheet, the, the Fed added another $27 billion this week. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the Fed's putting more, you know, liquidity in the market. I, it, it isn't, you know, I, I don't think it's to the tune that they had been in, back in March and, you know, J- June and really early on, but it, it's still substantial. And, you know, I'd be interested to kind of see what, I think it would be really telling, um, next week to get like a really good idea of where we are of when next week's numbers come out. And, you know, in tandem with whatever happens this week, however the market closes in conjunction with the sell-off today, is it going to provoke the Fed to provide more liquidity? And then I think at that point you can kind of try to coalesce um, whether or not, you know, Trump's initiatives of pushing the market up is, is getting, you know, on the same wavelength or on the same direction as, as the Fed and Jay Powell. Well, to turn it like to, to put it into terms for everyone um, of kind of what happened today in the market, um, the action that we saw, Apple down eight percent, Facebook nearly down four percent, Tesla down nine percent, Microsoft down six percent, Zoom down ten percent, and Salesforce down four percent. So that's just, I mean, so, those are right in your face. Uh, hey, Kyle. Uh, so interesting flag. You know, you can also mention the amount of market market cap Apple lost is equivalent to 470 companies in the S and P 500. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like? It was like 150 billion they lost today, or something like that, right? It's 128 billion dollars. That's Unreal. It's unreal. That's equal equal to 470 companies in the entire S and P 500. So you can add that <laughs> Well, yeah. also, I think one thing we should we should also talk about is um, I was reading an article on Seeking Alpha about in, the increased volatility and how you know a lot of retail investors have started getting into derivatives trading and how we've seen increases in the VIX and the VXN indexes and how they've been steadily rising and all that. Um, so you know the price of premiums have been going up. And and a lot of people are kind of selling off of their their underlying, and it, and it's interesting to see just kind of to get another perspective of how volatility is going to increase into election season and and you know how derivatives are going to trade and how you know 
underlings are going to trade with that. So yeah. I don't know if anyone had anything to add on to that. I'm just going to make a quick yeah. comment that the VIX right now, it, it closed at 33.60, um, up 26.46% on the day. So definitely a lot of volatility going on. Um, Mads, you want, you want to take a point? Yeah, um, I can I can completely agree with you, Jeff, on that. I see I, I see a high high volatile period going forward to the election season, fourth uh, yeah. of November. And right now, I uh, I think which is around thirteen. Um, maybe maybe it's gonna hit new highs uh, going forward. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely um, you know something that you you have to keep your eye on. Um, you know, go, going into into these things, and you know, kind of just um, doing a little uh, you know charting analysis here. It's eight fifty one p.m. Eastern Standard Time um, Thursday night, going into uh, Friday morning, um, anticipating the NFP number, um, yep. which could you know potentially hinge markets tomorrow. Um, I, I was also kind of wondering if it if it could be kind of like. Um, a, a sell the you know good news, but sell the news type thing. Well, and, and I I think if it, if it plays into that way, then yeah, I think if the NFP numbers come out you know better than expected, then you know we could either trade flat or you know make up some gains that we lost from yeah. yesterday. Yeah. And also, I, I heard a lot of speculation about um, Congress figuring out stimulus over the yeah, Mnuchin, extended yeah. weekend. Yeah, Mnuchin so, and Powell have no so, idea when they're going to come to. So that like that investor psychology there, like how do you like how do you play going into the weekend? Like what are you what are your plays going into the weekend, Mads or Jack? Yeah, so I mean, me, I am. So we're we're developing a, a macro. So I, I'll finish the one comment I was. I was giving the uh, one comment on the on the futures. So the futures, um, they're kind of bouncing in between their VWAP right now. Um, they have some support. At, you know, the the key support levels I was looking at today um, was if the Nasdaq broke through um, eleven thousand six hundred fifty, eleven thousand six hundred. That was kind of my threshold. Like, if if they break through those support levels, you know, we're gonna have a sell off, and the, and that's exactly what happened. The futures right now are, you know, trading down a, a percent and twenty five bips, um, and uh, you know it, it's kind of you know sizzled out a little bit um, in terms of price action. There was a lot of movement after hours in terms of where it wanted to go. You had DocuSign reporting um, this afternoon, um, it, you know, on the backside of CrowdStrike, which it had done well, but it didn't surpass expectations to the tune of what. Um, you know, analysts were expecting, especially as a stay-at-home, you know, product um, in the stay-at-home market. And, you know, they, they sold off a, a decent amount after hours as well. Um, same thing with CrowdStrike. Um, so, you know, you have a lot of interesting things going on in the market. Um, you know, in the, in the ma- and one of the things that we've been doing um, at Marketside, tra- uh, Marketside Chats and uh, City Street Capital is uh, we've been developing a uh, model uh, macro portfolio, kind of um, highlighting some of the things that you could do with a you know a less capital account where you're typically restricted to, um, I think it's three day trades in a week, um, and uh, kind of try to build an account value that way to make it more feasible with investors. Um, Chad, um, Jack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but so. I don't know if you have you guys have observed this, but 
uh, NASDAQ and the lumber uh, futures are moving in co- uh, correlation. The NASDAQ so, and the futures are moving in correlation? The futures of lumber. Yeah. Um, they both they both are going down. They both are going up at the yeah. same time from yeah. the, from the past five months. Yeah, no, for sure. So, so do you, so yeah, um, I was looking to build some models on seeing why this is happening and what are the key drivers which are causing this causing this to happen. Yeah, and I, I think I think this that would be a very good start to to figure out things on about the market. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and kind of getting back to Kyle's question in terms of, you know, how I want to set up their portfolio for the weekend. I mean, obviously you have the day of trading that we're missing Monday, so you got to take that into account. Um, you know, a lot of things can happen in a weekend. You yeah. know, a lot of things can happen overseas um, in relations with China, in relations with COVID, developments on the vaccine, um, you know, God forbid anything more develops on the social political landscape, um, than it already has and creating more, um, kind of uncertainty within the environment that we're in. Um, th- these are all variables at play. Um, so, I mean, today we were, um, we were, we were net short, um, and I, I sold a lot of our core technology position. It's a macro tech fund. Um, that we started out with, with um, about a thousand dollars, and we've been trading it, and we, we've had good success with it this week. Um, but but aside from that, you know, one of the things that I've I've really been looking into is you know how to respect the direction of where the markets are going and not trying to predict where it's going because you know predictions all based on the idea of you know fundamental valuation and you know, getting a really good good sense of where you can predict these value prices are going to be, you know, six months, a year out from now. But the main problem that I have is I think that while fundamentals are important, it's hard to try and frame the fundamentals in which they're being viewed today from an extremely technical aspect. So in that respect, I have to, I have to respect market action. So today I was, I was short, not short, um, on the NASDAQ by about, uh, 10% exposure, um, along with, you know, some small positions in Zoom, uh, Activision, Tesla, um, Twilio, and um, a couple, of, and, th- and then we had Peloton um, earlier this week, uh, but we sold it at 90. I, I think that might be another good uh, company to get into next week if, if, the, if the market kind of shapes up or if it continues to sell off. They, I mean, they have earnings coming up and whatever premium they had going into the release is going to be destroyed. But, um, going but like, but like I said, going in, into the weekend, I'm probably going to have uh, right now going into tomorrow, I have a 5% short. Um, I reduced all my equity state equity positions to 1% of the portfolio. Um, and then, uh, at around six o'clock, uh, Eastern time, I shorted the portfolio again by an additional 5% because I saw the confirmation of the direction of where things were heading. Um, and then tomorrow I'm just kind of, you know, going to wait to see where things set up. And if it sets up for me where, um, I have to cut my position, maybe, you know, re-enter into some of the longs that I had been holding before, I, I will do that. Um, but if it doesn't, which I don't think it will, I, I, I'm seriously considering, um, adding back into, 
you know, my short position, building it, building it up more because I think tomorrow is a confirmation day. And if it confirms tomorrow, we are going to see follow through through the next week. But if it does, but at the same, you know, by the same token, a lot of niche opportunities are going to come up. A lot yeah. of different, you know, names that get way oversold are going to be on the market again for a lot of people. A lot of buying opportunities are presenting themselves right now. And for a lot of investors, it's just the means of having, you know, the dry powder to, uh, you know, get themselves into, into, into those investments at the right time yeah. or whenever they feel comfortable. But yeah. uh, I completely agree with you when you're saying, you know, tomorrow will be, you know, the, the telltale day of, of where we're headed, you know, ultimately for the, I think the weeks to come and, you know, tomorrow could be just as ugly, if not uglier than, and then today. And that can be, that can be a scary thought for, for investors. And I think that's one thing that we're trying to highlight more than and you know, anything else is not to, you know, just expect that the market's going to go up every day. Like it, like it's yeah. kind of, you know, shown itself to, to be. And, um, it, that we are kind of, we may, we may be in a bubble. We may, we may not be, but, um, t- to stay kind of diversified in, in your investments and, and protect your, protect your, protect yourself from, you know, yeah the riskier investments that you may be in. So, yeah, yeah. and just one disclosure, um, before we hand it off to Mads here, uh, here at, City Street Capital, um, housed under LJMB Capital Advisors. We do not, um, you know, we do not condone any investment um, activities based on the thoughts and opinions that are expressed by us. They're expressed completely by um, us and us only, and they respect the opinions of our own firm's belief. Um, any of the activities or different, you know, things that you may want to see in the market, you could obviously, you know, look at us as, as a back source, but please do your own research. And if you do need, um, you know, consulting, definitely consult with a financial advisor of so, or some of that sort um, if you do plan on getting into the market. And do your own due diligence. Yeah, do your that's own what, due diligence. Do your own DD. Do your own DD. At the end of the day, it all comes down to the DD. That's what we say here. Yeah. All right, Matt, it's back to you. What were you going to add on? Um, I was only asking, I was only about to ask you guys, do you think this pullback was needed for the market? I, I think the pullback was definitely... Yeah. So, um, in that sense, I, I I do understand the reason. So maybe this was a correction, you know, uh, instead of thinking about several theories, we can we can all understand that the demand the demand how we all know how the demand and supply me- me- uh, mechanics work. Yeah. So in that sense, maybe this was just a pullback from from what we have been witnessing in the past month. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely correct, and you know if you think if you think about it too, you know the point that you made earlier, Mads, about you know Zoom, Fang, the, those are all the key drivers that have been you know really driving this market because they they're they're the ones that, um, in light of this environment in this pandemic, it actually usurped their business models to an advantageous position over the consumer. Um, and you see that with Amazon and their ability to deliver to groceries and then Walmart gets into the game and they're starting to, you know, try to compete delivering groceries in the same day target as well, mm-hmm. curbside pickup, Best Buy. So you see all these different, uh, companies kind of shifting, um, their landscape to adapt for the better. 
And, you know, a lot of them have been making a ton of money uh, um, off it. And, you know, it's been reflected in their earnings reports and it's been reflected in the price. But I do think things are overstretched right now, particularly in things that have been hot. You know, it's not to say like, you know, airlines as a whole have been decimated. Um, you know, think about all the industries that have been completely decimated by the pandemic. And I think one of the biggest ones is um, that no one really talks about is the food and beverage industry. And if, if you kind of just think about it, you know, kind of tying in the sports aspect um, of things uh, into this, you know, this is in the middle of the summer. We're get, we missed, um, you know, all the, you know, regular season, half the regular season for hockey and the NBA. And now they're continuing in the bubble. And the mm-hmm. MLB, they're, you know, doing their own thing, kind of. They might do a bubble in the postseason. Who knows? But it's, it's not really the point. But it, aside from all the ticket sales that are lost, which, you know, doesn't really account for much in the market, if not anything, because it's all privately owned. But what you really have to think about is the food and beverage sales that goes on at these different stadiums. And in an NFL stadium that you can pack, you know, 70,000 people into, um, and you have games going on once a week, events maybe three times a week for, you know, concerts and stuff of that nature, and you're, you know, selling beers at, you know, $16, um, $17 a beer, a complete ripoff, but they can do it, it, but that market's completely gone. And I think one of the interesting things that, you know, I kind of seen, and I think that we've talked to Frank Wall about on the podcast as well, is that, you know, the beverage industry has been completely decimated. And you're starting to kind of see the shift in advertising spend for these companies as well. You're starting to see a lot more um, ads from Michelob Ultra, Bud Light on drinking in your home, and then BudLightDelivery.com. Yeah. And all these different things. So it's really interesting to see how these, you know, different business models are trying to react in the in the given environment. But you know, those industries definitely have not come back in this upswing with yeah. all the tech stocks. And it's a symbiotic relationship because you know restaurants and all that. You know, they make their margins off of uh, beverages as well. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note that a lot of these like beverage companies or food companies they have contracts with you know, these, these large leagues or corporations or whatever it may be. And, and those are, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that in, in revenue that have just kind of gone up into thin air. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to be taking a closer look. Jack. So yeah. you were, uh, you were saying about, uh, do you really believe, uh, the valuations of this company, such as Walmart, Target, um, uh, Amazon. Well, and you know, with with what it has been doing through the pandemic period, mm-hmm. um, I would say I, I would definitely believe. So here's my thinking of it: mm-hmm. we are so we are in such a we were in such a period that only essential companies were allowed to operate. So in in that sense, if you think these were the so if you assume a world with only essential corporates, so don't you think they are worth their value? I, I do think so. I do think that these companies are worth their value. Um, like mm-hmm. like Zoom, for example. I, I'm extremely bullish on Zoom, and I wanted to hold those calls 
as long as I could. But the market, the market was just telling me otherwise. And, and like I said, like, you know, for me, I, at least I think a lot of these, you know, stocks, um, in the tech set sector are trading on technicals right now, not necessarily fundamentals, but, you know, aside from the fact, you know, zoom, you know, I, I, I look at, I think one of the most interesting things to look at in terms of tech companies in this environment is not only um, what the revenue growth rate is of tech companies, but what their um, accelerated growth rate is, which is essentially the first derivative of um, the growth rate year to year. And Zoom's accelerated growth rates are off the charts. And I think they're going to continue to be that way in the future. And, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, you know, different shifts in paradigm in terms of, you know, the real estate environment, you know, people are leaving New York City in, in, in the tunes of, you know, in, in loads, they're leaving New York City. There's a lot of people who are, there's a mass exodus in many, there's a mass exodus in a lot of metropolitan, a lot of of metropolitan areas where, you know, it, you know, taxes are high and, you know, people might get laid off from some of the jobs that they're working at, or in comparison, they get offered, you know, by square or Twitter that they can work from home until 2022. And then if I'm financially minded, I, you know, look at that as an advantage and I move to a state with no income tax if I'm working from home. And I try to save as much money as I can, you know, especially in a pandemic. But, you know, kind of going back to it, you know, I like like Tesla. Tesla to me is not is so much more than a car company. It's a I think it's like a software company. Like it's it's a it's a software company. And I think if you look at Tesla and through the lens of a software company, um, it does become a lot more feasible uh, to kind of get a price target um, within the, I mean, what they're trading at, they're trading at 407 right now. They're down $40.37 on the day. My price target for Tesla was 550 And at the max, I believe it was, or it might have been a little over, it, it honestly might have been like 600 I forget. I would have to look back at my models. But it, it came within 5% of my price target and then came back. I mean, my price target's staying the same. I think just that, you know, the, mar- the, the, the pullback in the market, you know, has a lot to do not necessarily with the fundamentals of the, the businesses themselves, but more about the liquidity that's been driven in the market recently. And, like, it, 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 and like it's almost like it's trying to catch up. Like, the the fundamentals are trying to catch up with the technicals in that regard. Um, So I I guess that like, I mean, like I'm bullish on all these, like Amazon, like insane company, like everyone, you know, points to, and I I guess this kind of goes to like more the overarching theme of what Amazon does. But I mean, it was started as a book company, but I'm willing to put, you know, a hundred dollars on the fact that Bezos, you know, had in his back pocket that this was going to be a data thing all along. And you could tell when he started and he kind of branched out into a network and, you know, getting all these different distribution centers all across um, the United States. And then with the digital revolution that kind of concurred and coincided with the boom of Amazon, you know, he, he, he was in the right place at the right time, but he had the infrastructure to manifest one of the largest, you know, data systems that we know to this date and that a lot of companies pay for. And I think that is one of the most, 
I, I mean, data is the future. I think that's something that you information, know, we, we, information yeah. systems, yeah. data. That is, I think, where the future is going. And if you try to look at market share, Amazon has it. Like at all the different like warehouse they have warehouses they have that you know half of it's a warehouse, half of it's a data warehouse where they store all their data centers and you know do, are able to you know have all these AWS Lambda servers for companies to be able to be functioning at, at all times. So I think you know I I'm not bearish in in regards to the fundamentals of price on tech stocks. I do think they're a little overstretched, but. No, I, I mean, like, I, I think, I, I guess what I'm getting at is I think that the they're catching up to my price targets too fast. Yeah. And I think, and, it, yeah. I think also what it comes down to, you know, you're talking about Bezos and, you know, how much of a visionary he was and, and how he kind of had this business model, you know, probably set up in his mind, well, you know, well before, you know, things actually I mean, came I mean, into fruition. Yeah. No, no man in there. I mean, no, like, I'm exactly. just going to say this off the cuff, like. No guy who's like trading at a hedge fund in New York City, making like a couple million bucks a year, Wall and on Wall Street decides to, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna drive in my Toyota to fucking Seattle and start a bookstore, like that. Like to say that he didn't have something going on in the back of his mind about how he would progress. And I think it's interesting too if you look at the interviews of. Um, of Bezos as he kind of progresses through his career and they ask him, you know, different things about, you know, you're being valued as, you know, X amount of dollars as a book company. Don't you think that's kind of absurd? And he's just like, wait a second. Do you think, do you think Elon Musk is kind of going through the same process that, you know, Bezos was like mid career and yeah. Like what, what are your comparisons to like an emerging Tesla versus, you know, a company like Amazon that's, you know, you know, be the, the one thing, of the largest in yeah. the world, if not, it is the largest in the world, if not, you know, considerably. And yeah, like, no. how do you, how do you, like, how do you compare that? So for Tesla, you know, I, I am, I'm, I, I am fantasized by Tesla for, for a number of reasons. I mean, one, they're a car company and they're, you, you know, they're worth so much more than, you know, Ford and all these other auto companies that are traditional. But I mean, like, I don't see, like, if you look at their production lines, you know, they have been, uh, you know, kind of stepping it up a little bit. They uh, they compensated for a lot of increase in production in their China plants um, when the co- uh, when COVID shut down the plants in California. Um, so they did kind of see an uptick in terms of production. Um, and you know, deliverables were always a big thing for them in terms of getting the car out. Um, you know, one of the things that you know I was always skeptical about was that I kind of felt that you know every single car that you know, Elon comes out with, it's a two, it's like a two year, you know, delivery process and you have to, you know, prepay and they kind of use that to front load a lot of the production. Well, he's getting as many zero interest loans as he wants with this prepayment system. And I'd love to hear your take on, I, I know you're, but yeah, I'll let Jack Jack finish and then we'll go to Mads. I I have one more point though. I like the, I think like the cars and stuff are cool. But I don't think that's the value. I think I think if Tesla, like this is just like purely image in part hypo- hypothetical. But I think think about how valuable Tesla would be if they shifted their mindset from you know making the coolest you know EV vehicle possible and started acting as like a consultant subscription provider for autonomous vehicle driving to Ford, GM, Chrysler. All those are all those. And that's probably what we'll get. That's probably and, what's going to happen. And if that happen. happens, 
could you like it, to, to buy a Tesla now? If you want to get auto <laughs> autopilot on your car, it, it costs you an additional eight grand, and they're already running it as a subscription service where if you don't pay your bill, your car's not turning on. Yeah, and you know, imagine you know, imagine that effect where if they can license out that technology and sell it and implement it or patent it and input it into all these other different car brands who are trying to catch up to Audi with the e-tron and, um, you know, a, a bunch of other companies that are in, in Nikola and like, you know, all yeah. the other battery companies that are coming out trying to compete. But I think if you look at it, you know, from the strictly from the technology aspect and how, you know, like because cars are finite, like there's only there's only so many Teslas you can buy. Yeah. Think about how like think about the scalability on the technology of the autonomous, you know, technology they have. I think that's where you really find the value. They're scaling out as much as they can right now. I know Germany will do anything to get them to build a plant in Berlin. Um, Mads, do you want to add anything to the Tesla conversation? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So going back to what Jack has been talking about, uh, I think what Elon Musk brings on to the table is uh, a product which nobody can, which, which cannot be beaten in the next few years. Uh, for example, the model, you know, people have been, talking about, you know, by the time a Japanese manufacturer or any other competitor who man, who brings in electric vehicles, you know, wait for, wait until 2020, wait until 2020, you know, we'll be seeing more um, electric vehicle manufacturing firms. It, it, it is 2020 and Tesla is still the number one. So people are uh, industry experts and a lot of, a lot of other, uh, you know, analysts have been speculating that, you know, wait for this company wait for that company you know once they come up you know you won't you won't see tesla anywhere near them yeah but you know on you know in honest sense the technology with which uh elon is operating tesla yeah especially speaking the uh you know the auto driving technology mm-hmm. the, you know experts the same experts say that that technology is five years uh, ahead than any other nearest competitor. Yeah. So in, in this, you know, just imagine the progress Elon is making with Tesla. Yeah. So if if, if the things work out as he planned, of course, they, you know, what I, the way I look at Elon is there is time and there is Elon's time. So when 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 Elon says it's two years for humans, it's two years, but according to Elon, it's like five years. Uh, so know. he makes a lot of empty <laughs> promises. <laughs> Right. Yeah, he does. He does make. He's very uh, optimistic. He wants yeah. people to work just like him. You know, because if you read about that guy, he he works nearly 120 hours a week. He sleeps in his office and he lives in his office. He you know he takes a uh, he, he, the, the literally he has an airstrip in the LA airport just for his uh, private jet. So he's, this guy, he expects everybody to be like him and work like him. If that if that's the case, then his uh, promises would have been fulfilled. But that's not the case. We we are you know in realistic world, people are different, and you know he needs to live with them because yeah. they are the one who are helping out, uh, helping out in making his his dream come true. Yeah. At the at the other end, the way I look at Elon Musk is. Uh, Elon is not a Elon is not a Jeff Bezos. Elon is not a Bill Gates, not a businessman. Like 
if you take any businessman out there yeah, like satya, satya satya nadal sundar pichai you know they both held microsoft and google respectively uh from their downturn you know they they to they too played a super crucial role when microsoft and uh, google were going haywire with their diversification of um, you know their products into and expanding their portfolio of products these two came in and said no this is not what we are doing uh we are focusing on one particular product you know satya nadella uh, was talking about cloud business and operating uh, cloud business and completely he, he just removed the entire uh, operating uh, software for mobile phones uh the the windows you know which previously used to partner with nokia and then come come out in the market mm-hmm. and same thing with sundar pichai he uh when google was trying to operate and google was trying to do different things he said no guys you know we're going to stick to our ad business and then we're going to go back into our uh, cloud business yeah so then we're going to stick there that those are upstrings we're going to go get, we're going to go and get them yeah but you know they're 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 business minded or at least they are strategic thinkers they want to they want to do good things for their company yeah but elon on the other hand he he's an engineer okay never consider elon as a business magnet or or a businessman mm-hmm. elon is an engineer he he speaks like an engineer he he works like an engineer yeah uh for him for him cash coming in cash going out is not a is not a thing for him you know no it's not if yeah. he wants if he wants something to be done he doesn't care how much he is investing No he he does he, he's that he's that confident in what his work is and I I think it it's right. something that's been you know very successful to, for him as well. Um Exactly it, and the people or investors are also confident on him who are providing him with this with this investment. Yeah. You know with the debt. Yeah. Because he can he can come out he can come out in the market today and I believe that hey I'm going I'm going to start a uh you know i'm i i need to raise ca- capital for tesla's uh, next project raised Then in 30 seconds see, yeah it's exactly, like exactly you know yeah. bingo yep yeah exactly 30 seconds you have the money yeah so he's an engineer okay when he speaks i understand that you know in this corporate world you you're not supposed to view things in in this perspective mm-hmm. but i think elon is an exception tesla is an exception you have to understand him in in um in a different perspective uh, and try to think like an engineer or approach him as an engineer because he's going to get get it done yeah um obviously not according to his like you know human time but with elon's time he's going to get it done yeah so absolutely um, that that's 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 what i that's what i uh, you know conceived initially when when tesla went the public and you know even until like, the last year i was looking at all the all the various aspects of how the technology is running through what the you know systemic change systemic changes that have been uh, placing you know uh, in the in the company yeah. because in 2018 2017 you know Elon made an announcement saying which is going to make the entire manufacturing floor automatic you yeah. know 90% of the manufacturing floor would be automatic and he invested billions of dollars for that Mm-hmm. in 20 and then later in the 2018 uh, and 2019 again he came out saying i was wrong i yeah. need humans yeah. you know yeah. i can't do everything with everything with machine yeah so he's going to try different things and you just have to understand that he's going to get it done no matter what but you just have to be patient with him yeah yeah and and think it think uh, think about him like the elon time yeah 
Uh, absolutely. And, and kind of just touching on that, um, you know, Tesla, you know, earlier this week on, on Tuesday, they, they hit their high of, you know, 538.75 after the split. And they split for four. They split for four. Yep. One um, for four. Yep. Yeah. They split one for four. Um, and now uh, they closed at 407 today. So, you know, that's $140 off the high from this week. Um, and in after hours, it looks like the bid ask is at about um, three eighty and a half. Um, so I mean, that that's also something to consider. I mean, I like I fully agree with you, um, Mads, on Tesla. I am very bullish on Tesla, and I think you know, depending on what we see in the market tomorrow. Um, you know, it could be in the upcoming days, you know, to kind of get some confirmation of how things are shifting out. I think it could be a a very good entry point into Tesla, you know, especially considering some of the drivers they have coming up with, um, battery day coming up, uh, I believe September 18th or something like that. And then, um, Mm -hmm. the S and P, uh, 500 potential inclusion, I think you know could potentially happen September twenty first when when the committee meets. Yeah. Um, by the end of this month. By the end of this month, so th- those two drivers will be happening at the same time. Um, I- I'd imagine you know based on how Tesla's traded in the past. I mean, right now you know they'd if you multiply you know three eighty times four, they're trading at about you know a little under sixteen hundred bucks, fifteen twenty, um, on on split. So I mean, if you think about hey, it, uh, yeah. Jack, so I would say count on the battery day. People yeah. have been, uh, investors have been waiting on battery days. It was uh, initially it was in August, if I'm not wrong, or yeah. uh, July or August. It got postponed due to the COVID-19 mm-hmm. to September 23rd. Yeah, and I would say count on the battery day. Yeah, I believe he's gonna. Uh, if the speculations and the rumors are right, are correct, then. They're coming up with a new technology, with a new battery, with uh, which has longer range than the current one. A- absolutely, and I think they're I think they're going to come out with a you know a lot of innovating stuff in in regards to battery day, um, you know, and, and then that's just you know another driver in addition to um, you know the the inclusion with the S and P and where where Tesla's trading at right now. It, it could it could really be a value play. Um, but and not not just that. Um, uh, not, not not just that. It's, just, it's not just about the innovation. Also, a disclosure is that you know, which I think Elon needs to give us. He's going to make prom- more promises on that day, yeah. and uh, the stock's going to start my again. It, it might. It might it's go. Gonna, it's going to price in the. <laughs> it's going to price in the promises. That's what. That's what's going right. to happen. Yeah. And then later on, when when these promises are not fulfilled then you you will see the price action again dripping down. Yeah. Yeah. So so you have to be patient on his promises because once he says he's gonna get it done, you just have to be patient. You know, biggest example I think is SpaceX. Yeah. With what he has been doing with uh SpaceX, you know, launching astronauts and mm-hmm. uh, oh my god, what not. If yeah. he could do that with space, I'm I'm hundred percent, two hundred percent confident that he's gonna do it with the <laughs> electric vehicles. Yeah. And, and kind of, you know, touching on that um, and, and, you know, wrapping up on, on things a little bit, you know, we, we do it, um, you know, City Street Capital and Market Side Chats. We, we do, you know, offer our model portfolio for a subscription service where you can get 
access to um, these different equity research reports that we produce, um, along with our model portfolio that kind of indicates some of these trades that we um, respect with regards to volume and action and uh, direction. Um, so, uh, as always, if you do decide to, um, you know, put some money to work in the markets, whether it be crypto or in, you know, the, the New York Stock Exchange or any exchange for that matter, uh, please do your due diligence. Um, we, you know, we, we don't condone you taking any positions and uh, we, we ask that you hold us uh, harmless uh, in the process. Because we really are harmless, I yeah. swear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I think uh, Tesla and Amazon is a good place to uh, end because I, that's why I, I think we are all here today. So we'll see if the market sells off tomorrow. You know, we'll sleep on it. We'll see what happens when we wake up. But um, yeah, I'd love to th thank you all for joining our first rundown here in the Market Side Chats. Once again, I was, I'm joined w with Jack Boyd, Kyle Copeland, and Mads Kulachara. I'm Corey Callahan, and thanks for coming along with us. Thank you, guys. Thanks. See you, guys.